Hello, and welcome to the Beyond Borders podcast, the podcast that explores topics related to international trade. This podcast is brought to you by Buckland. For over 75 years, Buckland has been working to help companies across the world experience global trade in a better way. As a customer-focused company, we provide you with a single source of unmatched customs brokerage, trade-managed solutions, freight forwarding, trade technologies, and warehousing and distribution services. I'm your host, Jenny Kaus, Corporate Marketing Manager at Buckland, and today we're giving an introduction to the world of freight. If you're already familiar with freight, listen in to brush up on the basics. We recently held a webinar on this topic, and today we're sharing the audio from that live event. If you're interested in checking out the slides from that webinar, please access the show notes from this episode. If you have any questions, please reach out to me at marketing at buckland.com. Let's turn it over to Paul Van Wyk, Manager of Freight and Warehousing at Buckland for a Freight 101. All right, so freight, a basic overview of freight. It's Freight is basically cargo. It's also the funds paid to move cargo. Um, movement of goods, usually for commercial purposes. And freight can move by many different modes, water, land, air, or a combination of all of them. And then some basic freight forwarder definitions are international freight forwarder, and those are people that ship goods from country to country. Buckland is a freight forwarder. Domestic freight forwarder uh, ships goods within a country, as well as a freight broker, which is access to a freight partner network. And there's there's so many carriers, so many freight providers out there. Um, working with a freight broker allows you access to all of the best carriers available for whatever lane or mode you need. So we're going to review the different types of freight moves. So modes of transportation, the first one we're going to look at is, is ocean or sea. And, and as you can see in the picture, what ocean relate refers to is the movement of containers over the water. And those containers are the same ones that you see on trains that go by um, when you get stuck at the, uh, at the train tracks, or you can see them behind large stores, manufacturing facilities, et cetera. And they're typically 20 feet to 40 feet in length. Now, ocean is the most common type of transportation for importers and exporters. It's estimated that over 90% of commodities move by ocean um, at some point. And I think that's related to a lot of the manufacturing offshore coming into North America. Now, the great thing about ocean is it typically delivers the most value for your dollar as it's the least expensive option most of the time. Um, when you're moving from Asia here or Europe here, ocean is definitely going to be, you know, the best option to go with. The drawback is, is it takes a little bit more time than, say, air would for intercontinental shipments. For an ocean shipment, you have to have your commodities at the port two days prior to allow time for loading. The product will then travel on the water from anywhere from two to could be four weeks now, Not maybe not actually traveling anymore, but there is congestion at the ports. And then it takes one to two days to offload um, and begin the final mile of the shipment. 
Now, one of the advantages of ocean shipments for intercontinental versus air, which is your other option, is there's fewer restrictions as there's much higher regulation in air shipments. Now, what, what I think is important for a 101 and anyone who's dealing with freight today is, is understanding the current situation in China and, and in the world as a result of COVID. What's happened is with all of the backlog of product that was manufactured in China, there are capacity issues. And right now it can be very tough to find a container first and foremost, because there is a limited amount of containers. And then once you have that container getting space on a vessel, it takes a little bit more effort than it used to. And we have seen prices go up fairly substantially. Last year, this time, a shipment was anywhere from four to $5,000 out of China. Right now, it can be two to three times higher. And it's just an awareness. Now, the other drawbacks of ocean um, related to COVID are port congestion. But then, you know, when you have a boat on the water, you can be running into weather delays um, and that type of thing. The key ocean terms for your consideration are FCL, full container load. So that's when you purchase the use of a full container or LCL, which is less than container load. And typically how that works is you purchase based on cubic meters. So whatever the you know length, width, height of your shipment is and how much space it's going to take up in a container, you're charged based on a per cubic meter basis. The next mode is air freight. Everyone knows what an airplane is. That is a lovely shot of an of a airplane. And what happens is <laughs> the goods are loaded onto a plane to be moved from point A to point B. The key advantage to air is speed. Just like when you're traveling to Disney World, if you drive, it takes you three days from Canada. If you fly, you're there within four hours. So if you have time-sensitive shipments, air is definitely the way to go. It will arrive in the fastest possible time, and but so long as there's service on both sides. Sometimes people want to ship, do an air shipment to somewhere, you know, that doesn't have an airport, and it may take longer when you look at the, the other modalities that might be involved. So ocean could be uh, a different venue, mostly air, though. The main drawback of air is the cost. It is simply more expensive. And... Um, Air freight, with air freight though, you can also do just like full container and less than container. With air freight, you can have one shipment that is one of many on a plane where you're sharing the costs in the space of the plane, or you can charter a plane for a move if you have a very urgent movement, or if you have a large piece of equipment or machinery that needs to move. And, and Buckland also often gets involved with large manufacturers in helping them move heavy machinery from place of manufacture, you know, in Europe or wherever, to North America, be it Canada, US, or Mexico. And those flights can cost anywhere from 5,000 to up to a million dollars if you're transporting a, you know, a large stamp, piece of stamping equipment. Modes of transportation ground. Okay. So this is what we see every day on the roads, or we used to see more prior to COVID, but we are seeing more and more of, again, on the roads. Um, these are the trucks that you see in the cities, on the highways, that sort of thing. Now, trucking is, is, is a really interesting business. I, I grew up in a trucking family, and my grandfather, whenever any guests came over, he would play this game, and he would offer $100 
to anyone that could name a product that is sold in a store that wasn't moved at some point by truck. And we would come up with anything and everything. But if you work through it, absolutely everything sold in a store has been moved at some point by a truck. We used to talk about uh, produce. What if it was just came from the farm to the store? Those seeds probably moved in a truck at some point. Everything moves by truck. So there are a variety of types of ground transportation and trucks. You've seen multiple size trailers on the roads. You've seen short trucks, uh, cube vans. You see the, like the UPS or the FedEx. You also see flatbeds that are carrying steel and lumber, uh, roll tights. Those are the ones with the canvas sides that you can put products in so that they're protected from the weather. Refrigerated units, bulk containers. There's really uh, an amazing amount of ways for trucks to move uh, commodities throughout North America, well, throughout the world. The two major types of ground transportation and trucking is LTL and FTL. So LTL is less than load. And what this is, is this is smaller shipments that don't take up the whole truck. So what you end up doing is when you ship via LTL, just like in the airplane and in on ocean, you end up sharing the cost and the space of that truck with multiple other shipments. Now, this ends up taking a little bit longer LTL because all of those shipments have to be picked up and delivered along the way. So that adds to your transit time. The other part of LTL is let's say we're moving a shipment from Florida to Canada. How it works now is a, a shipment, a truck will start in Florida and start driving up, picking up and dropping off along the way. And then it will come to a hub, you know, typically within about five to six hours. And then they will offload and another truck will come and take it another leg of the journey. And there's about four to five legs, I would say, on average from Florida to Canada. And what it's done is, is it's allowed truckers to work more regionally and be able to get home at night or get home more often. It also reduces the costs. FTL is full truckload. So this is when you're using the entire space of a truck. The truck will move directly from origin to destination with none of those pickups and deliveries and none of those hubs. So it moves a lot quicker than LTL. And also with FTL, if you have an expedited shipment, and let's say it's moving from Florida to Canada, you can have team drivers. So two drivers, and that way the truck does not have to stop at night for, for them to sleep, as well as drivers have a limited amount of hours they're allowed to work during a day for their safety and the safety of everyone else on the road. And when you have team drivers, they can take turns and that shipment can keep moving to get your urgent shipment to you as soon as possible. The, the major benefits, it's more economical than, than air. There's fewer weather delays, unless of course you're in Manitoba and then you can get snowed in. Uh, it has the ability to move larger shipments. And as I mentioned, team drivers can be used for expedites. Let's go to rail. So rail, we all know what rail is. And what it does is it uses real railroad infrastructure to transport cargo instead of passengers. And there's multiple options for shipping via rail. There are box cars, grain cars, liquid transportation cars, intermodal trailers and containers that are loaded 
onto onto the rail. And rail is really fantastic for heavy shipments, oversized or non-perishable goods. Now, rail is typically not as quick as ground. And and I say typically because there are situations where rail can move faster than ground. Um, Like, for example, if an LTL shipment is moving from Nova Scotia to Vancouver with all of the hubs, stops and other deliveries, rail might actually be a a faster means. Um, But rail was typically slower in the past. But over the past decade, they've increased the length of the, the trains. So wait times are less to get onto a train. And products are moving across the the country quickly. One of the other advantages of rail that is almost a little counterintuitive to me, but I I, I Googled it before I got on this call, is is trains are actually more environmentally friendly as it takes, it's less carbon, uh, more, less carbon producing things happening than the number of trucks on the road based on the amount of uh, goods you can get into a train. And the main benefit of trains is nine times out of 10, they're going to be less expensive for your longer hauls than truck will be. All right. So intermodal and multimodal. So this is an interesting one. Intermodal. So when you look at when you look at a shipment, sometimes the best routing of a shipment and the most the best costs don't always go hand in hand. So what we do is we look at how can we utilize the resources out there to create the most cost-effective trip, the most cost-effective move for you, and still meet your transit times and, and any other requirements that may be necessary. So reduced shipping costs can come from utilizing a combination of different carriers and modalities. Now, when we do that, it requires a little bit uh, more additional coordination, and sometimes there's uh, higher admins costs, but overall savings can outweigh those costs based on the the, the cost advantages of using uh, ground, rail, ocean, et cetera, to get things all to one place. Now, you can use a single transport carrier and it will require less effort and it may go faster. But again, when we're looking at your shipments or when you're looking at your shipments, you want to determine, okay, what is the best way to move this that is cost effective and meets my transit times? I mean, those are the keys. You want your cost, you want your transit. You also want quality of service. So you play with all of those and we can work together to create different routes to get your products somewhere on time. So intermodal defined, um, and this is this is confusing, so I'm going to try and do this in point form for you. Um, intermodal is movement from origin to destination by several modes of transport where each mode has a different carrier. Now, in this model, each carrier has an independent contract is responsible for their leg of the journey. So either yourself or a freight forwarder is dealing with multiple, multiple carriers here. And there's a little bit more of the additional coordination. And then multimodal, there are multiple modes of transportation for each leg of the journey. However, they're operating under one BOL, so under one contract. So the train same transport carrier in multimodal is responsible for moving the shipment on all legs of the journey. Um, multimodal, and I just wanna say this, because this is how I remember, multimodal is multiple modes under one BOL. 
So let's do an example of a supply chain movement that's intermodal. This is a great diagram with our white t-shirts. Okay, so as an example, let's say we're using uh, the white t-shirt. And this is the same white t-shirt you'll find in Walmart in Toronto. And maybe that's that'll be our destination is a Walmart in Toronto. Now, this white t-shirt um, is made in Asia um, based on our map. And there could be 30 different factories that are producing this exact same white t-shirt for the, the requirements in North America. So how this would all start is a purchase order would be issued from the supplier to factories for the production of this t-shirt. And, and that purchase order would include all of the details, the deadlines, timelines, size, fabric, um, you know, how many to put in a package, et cetera. And then these factories would go ahead and produce and package these shirts. Once they're completed, these factories, let's say two of them for, for, the, for the case of this case, let's say two factories created, you know, a million t-shirts, each 500,000. Those factories would set, then send their shirts to a, a consolidation center via truck. The t-shirts go to the consolidation center. In the consolidation center, the consolidation center is going to then go ahead, bring all the shirts together, and they're going to do what they call stuffing into a container. And that can be either palletized, that the, the goods can be put in the container on pallets, just like what everyone's very familiar with, or sometimes a container will be packed floor to ceiling, top to bottom with uh, these packages of shirts um, loose. And they're packed in there because it, it saves space. It reduces shipping costs. Uh, but for the purpose of this, we'll say that it's palletized. So these palletized shirts are now loaded into the ocean containers. The, the containers are completely loaded, sealed up, and then they are moved to the port uh, to get ready for loading. Now, these containers will get to the port approximately two to three days prior to sailing, allowing the ships uh, time to load them up. Once they're loaded and the ship departs, the ship can spend anywhere from two to three weeks on the water, um, arriving, and in this example, Vancouver. Um, once they arrive in port, depending on port congestion and things that are going on, it can take you know one to three days to offload these containers from the vessel. Then the containers, once off of the vessel, would be drayed. And the term drayage refers primarily to the moving of containers from one modality to the next um, without removing them from the container. So the containers would then be drayed from the port of Vancouver to the CN rail line. Once they get to the CN rail line, uh, they are put on, on rail. Um, to begin their, their movement across Canada towards Toronto. This movement, um, prior to COVID, would take anywhere from five to seven days. Right now, with, with a lot of the capacity challenges that we're, we're seeing here in North America, it can take anywhere from seven to 14 days. Um, but we are seeing that coming down. I've mentioned a few of the current challenges, but I want to let you know that all of the experts are saying by Q4, we should start to see things normalize again. Once these uh, containers arrive in uh, Toronto, they are offloaded from the train 
and they are drayed again. Um, so drayage is conducted on truck from the rail line to a distribution center where they are offloaded and de-stuffed. So basically the de-stuffing is the unloading of the product from the container. And at that point, the shirts are either stored in the warehouse or they are shipped directly to the Walmart where you can buy your white t-shirt. The entire process can take anywhere from 35 to 45 days. And uh, that is your basic supply chain example. Cost and pricing. So let's talk about cost and pricing and what are, what are the factors that we look at in cost and pricing? And I, I mentioned transit time a little earlier. So that's the speed required. Depending on if, if you can put something on the slow boat, it might cost less than if you fly something overseas. So we always look at the transit time required. What's your deadline? When does it need to be there? The distance to the destination is always a factor. It plays into fuel costs. It plays into the amount of time and space that's utilized by, um, by your goods on a vessel or a truck. The type of goods being moved. So the type of goods being moved can play in, let's say that there's dangerous goods and there's additional steps or due diligence required for the movement of those products. If you have oversized, that can increase the cost. Um, the weight of your cargo is going to affect the cost of a shipment and budget. Your budget is key when determining a price for a shipment because that goes back to what we were saying before. We need to, you need to really take a look at when does it need to get there? How does it need to get there? And, you know, what is the quality of service that you require? And then with that, you can create the budget and then you can go to myself or, or one of our team and they can go out and find the best way to meet your budget and create the best solution for you. Pricing models. So there are three typical pricing models. There's spot. If you have a shipment that you need moved, it's a one-time shipment, we call that a spot quote. It's one thing, it's typically unique. We take a look at it, we go out to different carriers and we come back to you with a price. Contract pricing is what we look at is if a shipper is shipping the same product every day, you know, a full truckload every day from here to, uh, let's say, from Canada to South Carolina. We look at that lane and we work with different carriers, different uh, modalities to find the best way to negotiate contract and set rates for you to move that way daily on as needed. And we also have project. Project models are, uh, Buckland's been involved in this when a new manufacturing facility is being set up in let's say Mexico. Then what we do is we take a look at the entire project and find the best solution to have all of their equipment, materials, supplies, et cetera, move down there. And in both contract and project, the key thing we're looking at is the volume and leveraging the volume of shipments to reduce the cost as much as possible. It is important to note that uh, as a result of COVID with capacity issues, we are seeing price increases across the board in air, rail and ocean, uh, but we are starting to see that stabilize and Q4, the experts are saying that that should all come down again. 
So here are some great additional resources that could be helpful to you. We have podcasts, webinars, learning guides related to this topic and other topics. They include incoterms, acronyms, terminology, and how to avoid detention and demerge charges, and, and so much more. Looking at this screen, I would definitely recommend that you hit our page and you download incoterms for sure, the common logistics acronyms. Um, you're you're going to want to check um, all of the acronyms. Freight is a funny business. There is an acronym for everything, like absolutely everything. Um, common trade and logistics te terminology, that is very valuable if you're new to freight, just to get an idea of what people are talking about. Freight people are a lot like IT people. We try to make it sound confusing, but if you have all of these documents, it makes it way easier. Definitely give them a read. And how to avoid detention and demerge, um, that's, that's a great topic currently with Ocean, the way things are going. Buckland Freight, we have an amazing freight team here. We have ocean specialists, air specialists, ground specialists. We do international air and ocean moves around the world. We also do uh, trucking across North America. Whatever your move is, LTL, FTL, flatbed, whatever it is you need, our team has experience and the resources necessary to provide you with the best solution and the easiest solution. Buckland is focused on service and freight. If you're new to it, can be a little challenging. And we are going to walk you through and take care of you to make sure that your needs are totally met and you walk away happy. We also have warehousing, cross-docking, pick-and-pack operations, distribution. Uh, Buckland is a one-stop shop to help you out. If you ever have a question, please, I think my email address is here. Please feel free to reach out. And that's the Beyond Borders podcast for today. Thank you to Paul Van Wyck for that informative presentation. Again, check out the show notes if you would like to reference the accompanying slides from the webinar that this audio was recorded from. If you have questions about this podcast or about our freight services, reach out to me at marketing at buckland.com. If you're looking for more resources related to international trade, check out buckland.com and click on the learning section at the top of the website. Here you'll find a range of resources, including learning guides, webinars, and podcasts. Our downloadable learning guides include IncoTerms charts, common trade terminology, how to avoid border delays, and many more. We have a catalog of on-demand webinars and occasionally have live webinars. So we encourage you to check that out and secure your spot for informative presentations. The best way to keep up to date on all of these resources is through our weekly newsletter. We send out a newsletter every Wednesday containing our latest resources, as well as a roundup of the latest trade news delivered right to your inbox. For more information about Buckland, check us out at buckland.com or on Twitter, where our handle is at Buckland Tweets. Check out our LinkedIn company page, or visit us at Instagram at Buckland Insta. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Borders podcast and be sure to tune in again and subscribe for more great conversations about importing, exporting, and everything else in the world of logistics and international trade.